0: And spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to the Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences. All right, welcome, Sales Hustlers, to another episode. I have a long-term friend here, Daryl Amy, and uh, it's been a little while since we've talked, so I'm excited to have him on the show. Daryl Amy is the author of The Revenue Growth Engine and the co-host of uh, one of my personal favorite podcasts, The Selling from the Heart Podcast with Larry Levine. Uh, Daryl, welcome to Sales Hustle.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me and Colin. This is gonna be fun
0: yeah awesome awesome so um i like to start these out you know just kind of give us the short cliff notes versions of like how you got into sales how you became so passionate about sales and then we're going to talk about some fun topics from there
1: yeah i'm a sales junkie um i'm a (laughs) i like to say i'm a recovering sales rep i'm down to therapy twice a month it's going pretty well (laughs) i actually started in sales 28 years ago uh graduated from college with a marketing degree in my hip pocket wanted to make some money and got hired to sell office equipment bought the mm. van and demonstrated copiers door to door in a hardcore competitive uh industry uh, but i was in sales sales management ran a branch ended up uh, launching a sales development company in 2004 teaching um sales professionals how to have high value conversations um and how to uh talk the language of business so they could get more C-level appointments and drive more value. Uh, At the same time, I ended up launching a marketing company, which is where we met years ago. And so I've had one foot in the sales world, one foot firmly in the uh, rapidly evolving marketing world. And uh, that kind of brings us to where we are today. I'm just a growth junkie and I love sales and I love marketing and I love helping great leaders grow.
0: Mm, All right. So let's, uh, let's unpack some of that. So, um, tell me when you first started in sales, what are some things you learned early on that still stick with you today?
1: Well, first of all, I was, I was terrible because uh, (laughs) it was, it was bad. I was, uh, 21. I'm Canadian. I married a Southern girl and, uh, this, uh, This baby face you see right now is a 50-year-old, so you can imagine going into people's offices at 21 with a Canadian accent in the Mid-South trying to sell uh, a brand of product that nobody in the market knew about. (laughs) So I learned, I mean, it was University of Hard Knocks all the way around. Um, Mm. What I learned though... Real quickly, and and this has stuck with me through my whole career is if you want to get attention with top level decision makers, and that's you know it was it was drilled into our head right go go for um, the money, the authority, the need, go to the top level. What I discovered is most of those people didn't care about the products I was selling. They had, I mean, not Mm. remotely. But what what I did learn is if I could understand their goals, their top level goals, their top level challenges and drive conversation and somehow connect my offering to that, that I could win. And that was, um, you know, I didn't have the best product. I didn't have the best service. I didn't have a recognized brand, but what I had was an opportunity. And and that forced me uh, to be able to go in and have those value-driven conversations that um, a lot of my competitors weren't because they were leaning on their product, leaning on their brand. Mm. And um, so that stuck with me through the years and it really, I think, formed the core of my, my sales philosophy.
0: Mm, all right. I love so much of that. And, and now I know why you and Larry are so uh, aligned.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I met Larry uh, and I know Larry's been on your podcast. Larry's the co-host of the Selling from the Heart podcast. I met him 15 years ago doing sales training and he, he was an uh, early adopter of the value uh, strategies <laughs> and mindset and, and he ran with it and he made a ton of money. He did really well and we stayed uh, friends through all of that.
0: Yeah. All right. So there's a couple of things that you said that stuck out to me, right? So if you want to have meaningful conversations with high level executives, you need to understand, and you know, let's give sellers the benefit of the doubt. I think there's some out there that do understand this, but Mm -hmm. there's still a lot that don't. Um, These people don't care about your product. They don't care about your awards. They don't care about the brand. They don't care about any of that. So tell them, what do they care about, Daryl?
1: Well, they care about themselves. And, you know, so (laughs) we just sum it up. And, and we kind of laugh about that, but it really is true. I was just, one of the things I get involved with now, I, I wrote a book um, this past year, Revenue Growth Engine. It's a model to align sales and marketing to drive growth. So one of the things I'm involved in now, and one of the things I sell is doing growth strategies for companies. And right before this conversation, I was doing a growth strategy with a company that sells services into the retail, uh, into retail stores, like large retail stores like Lowe's and, Dollar General and stuff like that, and um, so and they have uh, their core decision makers are the 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 head over um, IT facilities management um, in uh, loss prevention. So anyhow, um, I said, tell me what are the outcomes that these people want. My core philosophy is that buyers don't buy products; they buy outcomes. They buy the outcomes those products deliver. And years ago, Theodore Levitt, father of modern marketing. Walked into his Harvard Business School class. You may know this story, and he would do this every year at the beginning of marketing class. And this applies to salespeople as well. And he would hold up a drill bit from an electric drill. And I know I've got ah, I got one right here. It's always in my drawer. This reminds <laughs> me. So this is a this is a drill bit right here. It's a. Eighth inch. And those drill for bit.
0: listening, he really does have a drill oh, yeah. bit in his hands. Well, so one thing I'm... you need
1: to know is when I'm not, um, helping companies grow and coaching salespeople, I'm in my shop. I like building things. So this is perfect illustration for me. Thank you for indulging me. But Theodore Levitt would walk into his class and go, nobody in the history of Lowe's home Depot, insert hardware store of choice here has ever purchased a drill bit. What did they buy? They bought the whole. But Seth Godin would take it a step further and say they weren't actually buying the hole. They wanted the ability to hang the plaque on the wall so that they mm. would look good to their peers when they came in the office. And then uh, my, one of my other favorite authors, Donald Miller, would say, well, actually, we're all cavemen at heart. We're scared of getting eaten by a tiger, and we know that if we're in community, we'll be safe. So whether you bought, went to the store to buy a hole in the wall, whether you went to buy a uh, you know recognition from your friends or whether you went to make sure you didn't die and get eaten by a tiger, neither any one of those people, none of them went to buy a drill bit. They went to buy the outcome of the drill bit. And this is where, you know, when I asked, you know, well, what, what does a loss prevention person want? Uh, well, they want the job done on time and under budget. Okay. Well, by the way, isn't that what every competitor probably says to that loss prevention person? We're on time and under budgets, just noise. Why do they want it on time and under budget? Oh, uh, they want it on time and under budget because they uh, know that if that thing isn't fixed, someone's gonna steal something from the store. And if they steal something from the store, then it's gonna look bad and they might ultimately lose their job, mm. right? And they might live under a bridge. So what's the outcome they're looking for? not or losing their job don't. or living under a bridge right yeah and yeah. this is they're not looking for on time or under budget they're not looking for and you insert your product here and i guarantee you the outcome that you're actually your buyers are actually buying is about two levels deep into the question why did they do that why do they care about that I and mean, keep peeling it back i used to Colin. i used to do a lot of case studies um back in the in the days when i had a marketing agency i had a team of people doing most of that really smart people doing things. But I like to do the case studies because what I would do is uh, when we do a success story, I would call up the salesperson and I'd say, hey, I'm about to interview your, you know, your success story here. Tell me about it. And we get down to the you know, benefits, tell me the backstory. Why did they really buy? And guess what mm. salespeople would say nine times out of 10?
0: They liked they, me. <laughs> they liked me,
1: I'm good looking, and we saved them money. Right? I'm like, okay. okay, well, other than the ROI, is there any other reason they bought? And um, and the sales are like, no, no, it's mainly because we saved them money. So I'd call the client, do the interview, and they would start to say, Why did you why did you buy this? What benefits is the marketing term for that are you getting from this? And they'd start rattling things off. You know, we like this, we like this, it's helping us here, it's helping us here. And then usually on in these interviews, at least half the time, I'd have to say, by the way. Are y'all tracking the roi because i'm fishing for like the money part right yeah oh no not really but we like this 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 and this and i'd always call the rep back and go hey dude a do you want to know why your client actually purchased this and b do you want to know how much money you left on the table because you discounted the value they actually would have paid more than they were currently spending and you charged them 20 percent less and thought you did a great job And this is where, you know, when we identify the outcomes, not only are we able to get their attention, um, we're also able to build value and value add equals gross profit. And I don't know about you, but I have a goal and my goal is I want to make more money in 2021 than I made in 2020 than I made in 2019. And how do you make more money? I got to sell more at a higher profit margin. How do you do that? Value. Value. And this is where, um, you know, this is where we got to look in terms of profit, revenue, close rate, all of that. When you get to the middle, middle, and bottom of the funnel. All
0: right, there, there's so many uh, great things in there. <laughs> I get fired up. Colin. I don't. Even, I mean, I mean, um, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so the the one thing that you 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 mentioned that really just kind of is just sticking with me that i want to dig into a little bit yeah um is is the case studies i think that's so interesting that um you and 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 i i could see this you know sales rep thinks this is why they bought we saved them money or and and it ties back to the sales rep not really understanding couple of things their own value Mm -hmm. as a sales rep and two, what you mentioned early on is them selling based on leaning into the product or the savings. And when you're selling on those, then yeah, you're leaving a ton of money on the table. If you don't know how to connect with these type of people and really understand what are they buying, and you know, as you elegantly described, they're not br- buying a drill bit Right. You got to dig deeper. You got to be curious. You got to ask more questions and then why and then follow up and validate. And, and And that's where you really get to like, OK, how can we help these people? Do they value that we can help them? How can we help them? What's it worth to them? And people are so quick to discount or mm-hmm. give concessions to get the deal because they feel so much pressure to just get a just pack a deal in their pipeline that doesn't even belong there. That this is what happens right so yeah so how let's let's just say let's talk to the seller you know that maybe is new and let's assume they just don't know a lot of these things right where where do they start how do they get more in tune with what what problem am i actually solving what does that actually mean for these people and why do they care about it
1: the best place to start is to talk to your current clients it's it's the best place to start and um you know, it was, it reminds me of years ago, um, years ago, I wanted to do some, this was with my marketing hat on, but I ended up with this story creating unbelievable sales opportunities out of it. So I wanted to write, I wanted to do some vertical market research. You know, we all got, every industry creates vertical market research, and most of it's complete garbage. It's basically, how can we get some, buzzwords for the vertical market and shoehorn our product in there, but it doesn't really teach you anything. So what yeah. I did is I th- said, I really want to understand this. I um, by the way, curiosity is one of the most overlooked and powerful skills that every sales professional, high performance sales professional should have, um, curiosity. So I went in, um, to, and I went into my, I actually started with my friends. These weren't even clients and I wanted to do vertical market research um, in all these different research. So at the time I was buying a house and it just so happened the regional manager for Wells Fargo mortgage, uh, was in my neighborhood. And so I called him up one day. I said, can I buy you lunch? He goes, sure, you can buy me lunch. So I go to lunch I said, I want to know what happens. Tell me about your business. What are your challenges? What happens from the time I submit a mortgage application until you fund this thing, where are the problems in your business? I would just start listening. What are the trends in your industry? and I showed up at lunch with a canary yellow legal pad. That's all you need, and a pen and two ears. And I started listening. By the end of the lunch, I'd taken like three pages worth of notes, and um, he was thanking me. He was like, this is really uh, cathartic for me to express all this. And, uh, and I said, man, these look like problems. And we had like four or five big problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, man, if someone could solve these problems for us, that would be incredible. Well, guess what? It was so funny because i did this over and over i did it in the legal industry i did it in the healthcare i did it in all these different industries and at the end of it i was actually handing leads off to my friends who could solve their problems but what i learned from that was two incredibly valuable things i learned what the problems were what their goals were right what the outcomes they wanted and i also learned them in their language and every industry has a a language they got their own way of talking about things their own vernacular how's that for word of the day um Mm -hmm. they've got their own lingo and so i say talk to your current clients and ask them not just about your product this is where most reps miss it ask about their business hey as you look forward into 2021 i'm curious you know in your industry what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing what are you looking to achieve where do you see things going? You know, ask the big picture questions and you go, well, Daryl, why would I do that? I sell widgets. I don't, you know, I'm not a business consultant. Here's why. Yeah. Budget clients have limited amount of resources, limited amount of money and limited amount of attention. I would say if, especially if you're in B2B, but this applies to B2C as well. If you cannot connect your product or service to one of their top three goals or challenges you will get relegated to the back burner the the list of things nice ideas that we'll get around to someday and if you look at the biggest competitor in every industry it's not your competitor the biggest competitor is the status quo oh yeah and and why it's because every company is going to direct their limited resources time and money to their priorities so we have got to listen And understand their priorities and find a way if we can't hang our recommendation you know literally on one or more of those goals or challenges that uh, a company has top level goals or challenges if we can't hang a recommendation on that you know what it's going to be one of those deals where you go back to the office go i don't get it it was an incredible idea it made so much sense you're right but it wasn't hooked to one of their top level goals so guess what no deal uh, and uh, nice <clears throat> ideas don't pay the bills. So this is really, really critical. And the other, the other thing about this, Colin, this goes back to what we were talking about uh, earlier, is once you understand that, now you have the language and the talking points to go in and drive conversation with top-level decision makers in a way your competitors aren't doing.
0: Mm. So that research is so so valuable um, mm-hmm. to understand their language, to really understand what they care about. Um and to try to figure out and and here's the thing right so yeah you can ask these high level questions right and and like you mentioned some reps will be like why would I ask that has nothing to do with what I sell you're right it has nothing to do with what you sell but you need to be creative enough to tie what you do into helping solve one of those problems right and you know I I guess. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, and you could tell me and maybe there's some additional ones, but I would say majority of these problems are are typically anchored to a couple of things, right? Either time or money, right? And, and, and so whatever these problems are somehow tying back to saving them time, saving them money or driving revenue. Um, what, what are some others that these problems typically are tied to? Uh, now you're getting to one of my all time
1: favorite topics. I was hoping (laughs) we'd go there. My favorite topic is cake birthday cake. Um, and I think that there are two types of people in the world, cake people and icing people. There are some people that think cake is the ball game and other people like me that are correct, that believe the real purpose for cake is to be a delivery vehicle for icing. And so here's where I'm <laughs> going with this. You may like there what in the world are you talking about? In sales, especially in the B2B space, we're like ROI, ROI, ROI. What's the ROI? Um, and yes, there's, fine, there's time and money, absolutely. However, how many times have you been, and I've worked along the way in several uh, large Fortune 1500 companies, and I've sold to those organizations as well. And I remember being in the boardroom of a large tech company. Um, I won't say it starts with H and ends and P. And um, I was in the boardroom. This is years and years ago. Uh, so none of those people are there now. And I was in the boardroom and it was a decision. It was a six figure decision. And everyone around the table goes, do you think this is a good idea? It was a multi six figure decision. And everyone looked around the table. Yeah, and at the end of the meeting, on the way out the door, the the f- person that was responsible for the paperwork said, "Hey, by the way, um, can you put together an ROI for us?" And that was my moment where I went, "Ding, ding, 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 ding." They weren't they the benefits that they saw were way bigger than whatever we would put on paper for ROI. They were buying the icing. And the cake was just the delivery vehicle to get the icing. So here's where I'm going with this. You can go, Daryl, where, where are you going? And I usually teach this in sales training over an hour. So we're compressing this into five minutes. But I want I want you to think about all the benefits of your product. So financial, yes. But also, what about risk? How much does it help them reduce their risk? For example. Um, I used to sell document management software, which is software where you would scan in documents and create a archive and you would streamline the workflow of your business. Um, and it was expensive and, and, uh, just on a pure ROI, we would say, how many filing cabinets do you have? And, <laughs> and we can add that up and we can get rid of those. And you know how much I sold using that methodology? Zero. <laughs> right. Yeah. However, what I began to understand is what I wasn't selling, what I was really selling in a lot of companies was risk reduction, so I could add up the cost of the filing cabinets and create a ROI on paper, but what they were really concerned about is what if the building burns down and we lose all of our key customer information, what would that Mm. cost? So let's say my software costs a hundred thousand dollars. In contrast to the filing cabinets, that's a lot of filing cabinets to justify that and create a ROI and it's not worth the hassle, but what would it cost that business if they were out of business for two weeks? And you know, what's two weeks worth of revenue worth to that business?
0: Or file be... or certain files went missing or, or yeah. Or the, of... then
1: you layer on that another layer of icing, right? I like icing. So two weeks out of business, that's $10 million, um, lawsuits. 50 million dollars uh add in you know all this icing on top of value can i quantify it no but is it real yes could i help them reduce the risk that that would happen so for a hundred thousand dollars one rep goes in and says i can replace your filing cabinets and save you five percent five thousand dollars lottie freaking da right the other rep goes in for $100,000. I can reduce the risk that your company might lose $50 million, plus lose the faith of your largest clients and possibly go bankrupt. Same value proposition. One rep sold the cake, the other rep sold the icing. And so, you know, and, and add into that hooking that recommendation into one of their top level business goals you know, which maybe you discovered that they want to move into five other states and run, you know, a home office virtually or I mean, you you just think of the scenarios. Mm -hmm. And so once again, one rep product focused, we can replace your filing cabinets. Other rep value focused says, what risk can I mitigate? How can I help you achieve your goals? How can I help you improve your customer satisfaction? How can I help you streamline your cash flow? I mean, you go down, the. there's all these Mm. different value points. And those things come out in conversation if you'll be curious and listen. And uh, I know from the University of Hard Knocks that the cake method rarely works and doesn't make a lot of money. And that the icing method works extremely well and generates obscene profit margins and happy clients.
0: All right. I'm dying to ask you this question. you you've 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 worked with a lot of people in 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 various industries in sales coaching and and i'm just want to know how many people that you've come across are selling cake versus selling the icing
1: it's what's uh, the ratio i mean I gotta it's, got, it's gotta be uh, i don't have i don't have i don't have stats but pareto said it's 80 20 and i bet it's i bet it's 95 five, because the reality is, and, and I see this in sales, I see it in marketing because I get to work with marketing. I see it in business owners. I mean, everybody we, and it's just a natural tendency. We get focused on our perspective, right? Cause we re- we got to know our product. We got to know it's got all these features. Mm-hmm. We get obsessed about our competitors. We get obsessed about, you know, the wards and all this stuff. And, um, that's all great. But once again nobody bought the drill bit you could have the best drill bit on the planet and nobody cares nobody cares i used to tell this story i uh, mentioned i'm in the construction uh of that's how i grew up and that's what i do for fun and um i like building things and um i always imagined if i were a deck manufacturer or a deck i sold decks like in the back of that patio all that stuff um one one rep would come imagine if i came in over to your house colin and you had a nice backyard, but it had this tiny little concrete patio. I'm the deck salesman. I work for Decks Unlimited. I'm the account executive. I'm in your backyard. We sit down, we pop open a drink. We're sitting on your tiny little concrete patio and uh, and I'm here to sell you a deck. And imagine if I did this. I said, Colin, I'm so excited about this new deck. Your backyard is gorgeous. Um, and let, as we start, let me show you this, Colin, This is the DeWalt XR2 cordless drill. The XR2 cordless drill has 457 foot-pounds of torque at 3,700 RPI and the best battery life of any electric drill in the business. And just no wonder the Drill Technology Association awarded this the most outstanding electric drill of the year. And it is incredible value in terms of its life cycle and duty cycle and cost per hole or
0: whatever what what would you be thinking i'd say daryl i don't give a shit about your drill
1: (laughs) why are you talking to me about your tools i want to talk about my deck now insert your product as a tool to achieve an outcome and now think about that conversation you're having with your client and are you you know what i should be doing is going to your backyard and going and even
0: further right you're not even selling me the deck you're selling me you're selling me what is that family time going to do for right me?
1: after, How, imagine just, after work and
0: yeah. Coming out here with your family your kids, where's hanging the hot out, tub barbecuing go. on your deck, right? The experience, the, the, the outcome.
1: And this is, this is what you gotta, you know, I don't, you're If you're listening in it, I don't know what you sell, but insert, you know, your product into the electric drill, because even if you sell a service, People aren't buying the service, they're buying the outcome that service delivers. I don't go to the gas station to buy gasoline. I go there for the ability to drive another 500 miles. Um, you, know, I, it, you can think about this for any product and you need to understand the outcomes, and when you do, you're going to get more attention and make more profit and close and, more and deals. This te-
0: yeah. And, and this takes work sales hustlers. This is not going to come natural. Like you got to go out there and do some homework and maybe even do some of these interviews with people and take them out to lunch, uh, or do them over zoom and send them lunch, whatever. I mean, you know, uh, you got to figure this out. You got to be able to talk their language and be able to sell that outcome, sell that value and not just sell your features and benefits like every other rep. Because I don't care what space you're in. Uh, for the most part, there's a lot of competition in a lot of spaces, right? So how are you gonna separate yourself and be different? And it's by having these types of conversations and not having the same conversation that every other rep is having with them. And this is the
1: best time to do it because right now, as we're you know hopefully shifting out of this pandemic pandemonium here at some point, the outcomes people want are gonna change. When the pandemic started, Gartner surveyed in the tech industry, and about 2 months into the pandemic they said what do you want what are the outcomes you want and it flipped from before pandemic i want scalability i want to be able to have you know efficiency and productivity after the pandemic i want resiliency i want security i want remote workforce well guess what you might be selling the exact same product before the pandemic after the pandemic started The outcomes shifted, same product, different outcomes. I think that's going to happen again in 2021 at some point. So this is a really good time to have your ear to the ground and be talking to your clients. And this is, these are great topics for your quarterly business reviews, what you don't do quarterly business reviews, start doing quarterly business reviews. (laughs) So yes, (laughs) because you'll learn that along the way. That's what you want to learn is you got to get the Intel.
0: All right, Daryl. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. I'm an icing guy myself, too. Good, so I'm glad. I I'm... knew you were. I knew you were. <laughs> uh, both <laughs> figuratively and, um, you know, in, in, in the sales world. So um, it just let folks know what you got for them, where you wanna send them, how to find out more, all that good stuff. We'll drop that in the show notes and, and we'll close it out.
1: That'd be great. Uh, you know what, um, I'm gonna send you, if, you're, if you wanna learn more about this concept of value, I address it in my book, Revenue Growth Engine. It's a sales and marketing alignment model, but if you're even sales, you're gonna enjoy it as well. Text the word revenue to 21,000. And uh, if you'll pay me shipping and handling, I'll send you a copy of the book. Um, and I'd love to you know help drive this conversation around value, because this, in my opinion, is the ball game right now.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Daryl. Appreciate it. Sales hustlers, if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, write us a review, share it with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.